Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Charlie Parsons for Boxing Social in association with William Hill and Empire Fight Store. I have Eduardo on Zoom. I've been feeling like sort of that annoying girlfriend that you've sort of got to put up with with about seven unanswered texts. Edward, come on, mate. Can I come down and do a little bit? And then I saw Matchroom got the bit. Shout out Jamie Ward, done a good bit. Then Coogan done a good bit. And I thought, oh. So then I went I just to, have to... I just have to keep you. I just have to keep you humble. And I've got to, you know, I have to stay loyal at the same time, obviously, to the company, number one. The OG, Coogan, come in. I was trying to get you both in yesterday, but I could only slot one in. So, you know, shows you you're not quite there yet, boy. No, 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 no. I've got to keep me on my toes. Edward, I've got to say, mate, I messaged Jamie after that interview because the matchroom one dropped first. Man said Jordan tracksuit and whoever the barber is, right? This is the best I've. I thought the best I saw your trim was in Detroit. When uh, what was the geezer's name in Detroit? Can you remember, uh, Master? Oh yeah, <laughs> down in uh, the Dominican barber. That was it. But this whoever's done the trim this time round, along with a jacket yesterday, I thought fair play, mate. Coming from you, that means absolutely nothing. Brilliant. Um, no, I'm all right, actually. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm actually in machine mode at the moment. Machine mode. Do you think so, you start taking a bit of a decline when the travels start? No, because I have these last couple of weeks that I've had off, I've just geared myself up to just take over the boxing world for the back end of the year. I'm going to work my bollocks off every single day, every single weekend, whilst training twice a day and eating 220 grams of protein per day. Let's fucking go. Um, but yeah, we've got, we got some big things we're working on outside of just, just a little cut of personal little mesh, missions for my well-being. So keep you posted. But that is why I'm looking unbelievable. I suppose with the men's health thing on top, you just got to keep yourself in order, everything in check, right? There's a few things going on that I have to be absolutely for, but you'll find out. I'm sure your ego will just inflate through that. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. 
<laughs> um, Edward, I want to ask you, I don't know if anyone asked you yesterday, but it was the funniest, I experienced the funniest day of my life last Tuesday. I'm down on my phone one minute, the next thing, John Fury's got a table in the air, he's humping the air. What did you make of it all? Uh, I think he's very watchable. I mean, part of me worries a little bit um, about our sport. And part of me, I'm kind of in the middle, aren't I? Like, I'm not a, what do they call these people? Gen Z, you know, whatever, like this younger yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm not old school, like my old man, like Warren, whatever. So... I know, especially having kids, I know what they're talking about. I know what they want to see. I look at it from our business. I look at it from a, a boxing and community level, from a grassroots, you know, trying to I don't know, set a standard. I don't know, really. But then I, then I think just get off your high horse and just say, listen, it is what it is. You know, it does massive numbers. I have to say, like, normally, I think some of the, that, sort of um youtube stuff press comments is is awful and cringe and like we really need to get a grip of it but the other day was just it's high level isn't it i mean you're talking about major stars ksi logan massive stars even tommy fury now and john fury and you know i did from my interviews yesterday where i mentioned that i've been watching the furies on netflix yeah people can't believe that i owned up to that i ain't bothered 44 years old I, I really don't care what what i tell you but yo even john fury creasing me up in that i don't know if you've seen it but i think we need characters we need personalities and i think we can learn if we're going to learn something from youtube boxing misfits whatever it is we must keep the entertainment level in our sport because that's what pe you know that's what's going to do numbers that's what people want to see and you know, when i met billy joe saunders the other day i said this to coogan like, i feel like we need characters like billy joe saunders love him hate him controversial turned a corner whatever <laughs> but there's a story isn't there you know and i just think we've got to do a good job the fighters have got to do a good job to push that story and that narrative it can't just be it's like brandon scott the other week you know, I know you got a bit of stick, but you ain't going to forget Brandon Scott. I mean, you might think he's a little bit cringe coming in a Spider-Man outfit to a press conference, but you ain't going to forget. No, precisely. Now, now, a huge amount of people will love him. Many people will think he's a bit of a knob, right? But who cares? Be yourself, have fun. It's a serious sport, but I think we could learn a little bit from that. And like, you know, John Fury was just hilarious. And, uh, whatever you want to say about them, the huge personalities. And that's that's a massive event. Massive event. I mean, and, and at the end of the day, it's on my, our platform. So if we can ram in a little 700 or a million pay-per-view buyers, we've got a million new customers and subscribers on design. Fucking great. Let's hope we can push them into professional boxing as well, grow the viewership, grow the profile, grow the exposure for our fighters and design. Let me ask you on the sort of actual side of, of, of this. The other spectrum is this Logan Paul, Dylan Danis stuff. I don't know why I've gone straight into this, but why not, eh? Um, 
still do numbers please. Dylan Dennis trolling is is next level. Yeah. Um what do you mean? It's it's like if right, if you're Logan in this situation, Edward, what are you doing? Because personally, after being photographed with everyone in Hollywood and then some of the questionable videos that have been seen, are you trusting a woman like that? I don't know. I mean that's not really a question for me, but it's very difficult. Like this guy obviously is not gonna stop till the fight, post fight, whatever. But you've got to be very strong mentally, I think, in these kind of situations where, you know, will it get to you? Yeah, of course it'll get to you. I haven't really read all the posts that Dylan Dennis has been making, in all honesty. But I understand. I've seen a few of them and I understand where he's going with it. But I think the only thing is the difference is the kind of people that we're talking about. Because if this was in boxing and someone was doing that, don't think it would end well. Yeah, no. So it's this new world, isn't it? Like, really, you shouldn't really do that or be allowed to do that. But it's the internet and it's new age. So let's see if he turns up. Hope he does. Good luck to Dylan Dennis. Good luck to Logan Paul. I'm looking forward to the event. You know, I'm not, I think KSI Tommy Fury is a decent fight. Like, you know, I, I respect KSI for taking a challenge. You expect Tommy to win? Probably, yeah. But I've written off KSI before, so good luck to him all. Um, let's go into it. Robert Hellanius uh, with an adverse analytical finding. I know sort of a lot of this you, you would have touched on in your interviews yesterday, so I'm going to try and keep it as, as different as I can considering the circumstances. Um, I'll let you explain a little bit about sort of your drug testing pool that you want to do on a matchroom side of things. Um, I know that that will have financial consequences shorthand. But also, this is, I believe, the third test um, this year of, of a boxer um, to do with clomiphene. I was speaking to Gareth A. Davies afterwards and he said that Robert Hellenius spoke to him on fight week and said, if you fail a test in Finland, then you're doomed. No one will ever look at you ever again. It's sort of like the sin of all sins. Um, there's more and more research regarding clomiphene and this sort of cross-contamination and stuff like that. We know that in Mexico there was a problem with, with red meat and, and clenbuterol, I think it was. Is there something in this substance that we're missing and, and that we need to... I mean, that's a question, obviously, for Varda, not me. All I can tell you is, is that when Connor Ben failed his test for clomiphene, I was contacted pretty much immediately by the UFC at a very senior level to tell me that this had happened. You know, this was a, a, becoming a regular occurrence for contamination. Um, as the science has gone on, and I don't want to start talking about food contamination because people just think it's just an excuse. It's come to light that, yes, there is a very high chance that that is possible in the world we live in today. Throw in Robert Hellanius's test. And again, it's difficult because I don't know Robert Hellanius. I've met him three or four times. The letter that he wrote to Anthony, Joshua, a couple of days ago is like nothing I've ever seen in this instance, which is just, I want you to know I have never, would never, ever 
take a performance enhancing substance. I would certainly never do that in a fight with you or ever. I have so much respect for you. I, you know, again, we, we get the privilege of seeing the substances, the levels, everything. If I don't, I don't even really want to stick up for him because he's not my fighter and it's not my job. But I, be, I, I probably believe him. But again, not for me to say. I'm just giving you my honest gut feeling. But is there a problem with contamination in clomiphene, according to scientists and according to other major organisations? Yes, but we're yet to see that, and it remains on the ban list. So there's nothing. You can do about it until that is, I guess, proven. But we'll see how many of these findings occur for that substance. Anthony Joshua, I, I believe, I don't know this, but sort of just with everything that happened with Dillian White and then obviously he had the Miller stuff in the past and now this, is he, what's his mentality? Like? I know he sent you that text saying thank you for the sort of mm. the drug testing that you guys are doing. But in terms of being a fighter and it just, does does he almost feel a little bit like everyone's on it, or what's his? No, he just said, "Oh, well, you really got to be taking something to try and beat me." You know, don't forget this is two people for the same fight yeah, date. Yeah. I mean, that's like you know, um, I can't say he's really thought that deeply into it. To be honest with you, um, and you know, one of the questions yesterday from Coogan, and I get it. It's like. And people are a little bit naive to think that you can do a test at, I don't know, 10 or 11 o'clock on a Friday night and think you're going to get it back from the VADA laboratory in time for fight night less than 18 hours later. It's just not going to happen. And then people are even more naive to say, well, what's the point in testing then on fight week? Well, the answer is to find out if someone has taken something. You can take something the, the night before. You can take something a couple of hours before to try and improve your performance. So we can't just stop testing because we're not going to get the results back in time. You'd rather find out, even if it was after the fact. The ideal aim is always to try and make sure if someone does have a legal substance in their body, to make sure they don't step foot in the ring. But, you know, we don't control the process from sample to laboratory, obviously. Um, in terms of the testing pool that we're looking to put together... Um, I think it's more in line with a pool that for every single event, once you enter a contract for that event, you are in the testing pool, you know? So it's like every fighter on the card is part of the random testing program. Wow. And I just feel like that's the only way Again, it's hugely expensive. And it does piss me off that no one else gets gets the questions. You know, is there testing for Eubank v. Smith this week? Is there testing for Fraser Clark against David? Now, the promoter will say, yeah, yeah, you can. But come on, we all know. Like, ask them the question. Have they, When was the last time they were tested? Maybe not at all in the build-up to this fight. And especially when you talk about international fighters. I mean, Tete is a great example, right? International fighters only get tested by UCAD either a day or two before the fight or on fight night. Yeah. So when Frank Warren talks about, oh, I'm all for the safety of the fighters, et cetera, et cetera, you let someone 
get into the ring with a highly, highly dangerous substance in their body because you didn't have testing for Teto, just like you didn't have testing for Baluta, who also wouldn't have been tested, you know? So, I'm, you know, and I've used Baluta a couple of times, not because, you know, of any particular reason, just be another example of it's actually, you're not actually looking at safety of your fighters because you're not testing the fighters or the opponents. Um, so we're going to do something big, to be honest, and we're going to do something that's never been done before. We've just actually finished a ball meeting about half an hour ago where, you know, my old man sort of said, how much is this going to cost? And it's just something I feel we need to do for the sport. Um, I hope it's embraced and I hope it's replicated by all the other promoters. Eddie, in terms of sort of, I know you, you, you do this drug testing and, and stuff like that, but how would it operate? Would it be a camp-long thing for all of your guys? How, how regular would yeah, it be? I think it's be? difficult with fighters coming in and out of contracts. Like, you know, it's when you sign with Matrim, you're on this programme, but obviously you've got fighters that would end their contract, they have to come off the programme. I think it's much more simple of when you sign your bout agreement for the fight, which is generally eight to 12 weeks before you enter the program and everybody on that card will be random tested by VADA. You know, there could be something where we look at 365 years around, I don't know, but that's more difficult to police and monitor. It's almost easier to um, attach within an existing bout contract. But listen, it's early stages, but there's a number of ways we're looking at and obviously we but we have to also make sure the commission's on board that if there is an adverse finding because we don't want to be left with a situation where you know we can't run a disciplinary hearing to find out what we're going to do with an adverse finding that's got to be by the commission or the governing body but anyway this is getting a little bit boring but you know i think it's something you're going to be hearing a lot from us over the next a few weeks and months to implement it. All right. On the topic of Frank Warren, then to spice uh, things up, I know you made a couple of the small hall promoter comments. Uh, Frank Warren hit back and said, "How many Birmingham arenas can we drop into this stadium? How many Birmingham arenas have been curtained off and are only half sold sold out that we can drop into this arena?" And spe speaking of small hall fights, we put on fights at York Hall because that's the home of traditional boxing, bringing fighters through. I did it with Nigel Ben, Ricky Hatton in small halls. All the fighters over the years, you bring them through, you blood them, you bring them through. Next generation, 30 years of age. Yafai is a good fighter, by the way, but 30 years of age. That's the gener That's the next generation, you're telling me. Get me out of my box. If the next generation's 30, then I'm 40, a young promoter. Response? I don't know. Listen, I mean, I just leave. I leave Frank Smith for him these days. I was going to say, yeah, there's been a back. No, I, I don't. There. I've got nothing to say to Frank. Listen, I think everybody knows why you do your call because it's cheap. You know, we have a look and a feel in terms of production, in terms of how we like an event to look. Um, I think we sold three and a half thousand tickets in Birmingham. Obviously, you can sell twelve hundred in your call, probably sixteen hundred that night. Um, but I'm not going to get into a back and forward with Frank. I'm kind of past that level now, so I'm going to leave it to Frank Smith. Honestly, and it's, I think it's great. You know, I just saw someone sent me um, Ben Shalom's 
interview today having a pop at Frank Smith and we were just laughing about it in the board meeting. I was going, she's great. Because I can just sit back and laugh at it all. And I saw Warren on the other day with the, you know, the cyborg. I am just, you know, going mad and the T-boy and you've got Andy Ailey coming through. I just yeah. think, I think to be honest with you, like sometimes gets a little bit personal. But in general, just like the Misfits, I think it's like, look at what we've done for, for Ben Shalom. Like we've really massively helped his profile. You know, I think... We like even the fact I've just mentioned his name there. He should be PayPaling me a few quid, really. Um, but I'm honestly, I'm out of the beef. I'm out of the beef market. It's over to Frank Smith, the future of our company, um, to respond to all these boys. And you know, all I said was, it's a bit like you know, I said in the queue, a bit like. You start when Frank starts talking about HGH and test like he doesn't know what he's talking. He doesn't do any testing. He's not involved in any drug testing. So it's like someone's given him a couple of lines about something, and he's just run with it. But and until you want to start paying to improve the safety of fighters by administering additional layers of testing don't comment because you're not really doing it and you know um ben shalom frank smith uh, frank warren i'll leave them to frank smith i'm just flying you know like above the clouds and you're just sort of looking down there that's where i see you that's where i'll just go hello <laughs> happy and good energy of you edward exactly i don't want uh, there's no beef for me. You're not going to see me popping blood vessels, going fucking potty. I don't agree with everything Frank Warren says. I understand a lot. It's a bit like the Dubois stuff. He has to do his job. Yeah, yeah. You know, he know he knows when he watches the replay back. Really, do you think if he represented Usyk, he wouldn't be screaming that that was a low blow? But it's just the game we're in. It doesn't. You know, he's he's got to do his job, and I respect that. The next, well, that sort of goes on to the next thing I was going to ask. I saw Ben Davison put out a tweet because at the time, I think us as, as boxing fans, well, not everyone, but I was very reactionary at the time. I thought it was legal. And then the more I sort of slept on it and then woke up and reviewed it, I thought, okay, probably, probably was low. Ben Davison summed it up and said, look, if you're team Dubois, then the shot's legal. And if you're team Usyk, it's illegal. Uh, Frank Warren's lodging an appeal. Do you expect anything to be done? No, not at all. I mean, but if you, there's so many pictures on the internet that, like, after the, the impact and the, the punch rides up, there's another picture. If you watch where it lands, I think the biggest argument here is about where were Usyk's shorts, right? Now, that is not something to determine when a low blow lands. That's something to determine when the fighters come together before the first bell. The referee's job is to look at those shorts and say, bring those bring those shorts down. And if he feels they're too high, just to say, your shorts are high, Daniel, just to let you know, that's legal, right? But you have to assume, because that was never said, that Usyk's shorts were on his navel, because that's the referee's job. Therefore, if the top of Usyk's shorts are on his navel, 
I don't really understand the argument of it not being a legal blow. I mean, the whole fist was on the shorts, number one. The bottom of the fist was, I don't know, eight, ten inches below the top of the shorts. It's hitting on the protector. Mm. Now, I spoke to Alex Crassett last night. I think the doctor actually was inspected and, you know, there was, there was stuff from the, the actual low blow. It was low. We also know Usyk don't like it to the body. Look at the fight with Usyk against uh, Joshua, two in Saudi. Same ref, actually. Mm. Exactly the same shot, but with not as good a connection and probably less venom. And Usyk turned away, went down, and the ref said low blow. Pretty much, you know. So whether this is something that really, if, if I really feel that Usyk's shorts are hot, I'm saying it in the rules meeting. I'm screaming it in the corner. When they come together before the fight, I'm saying to the ref, ref, look at those shorts. They're too high. I'm getting him to pull him down. Or I want to acknowledge that that's not a low blow. But obviously that didn't happen. So when when a punch lands below the, sh below the belt line and hits the protector, the protector, it's a low blow. Yeah. But, you know, I say it and people say, well, you would say that. Well, I don't really, I ain't got much skin in the game. I thought, I've got my opinions on Dubois. And I used to represent Usyk, but I don't represent him anymore. I'm just telling you, I watched the fight and this is what I thought. Just to be nosy, why were you speaking to Alex Krasuk? Was it just a little catch-up? Yeah, obviously, um, Hergovic is the mandatory. And he's probably seen my interviews as well. You know, they're probably getting a little bit of fire as well. He, he actually wanted to point out to me that the ring was not small. And this is another problem with hearsay on social media yeah, that online, yeah. right across the whole of social media was the ring's tiny you know even the bt pundit saying can't believe the size of the ring the ring was 20 foot by 20 foot inside the ropes yeah but i did say to alex krasik today i don't think Usyk looked himself i don't think his feet looked as fast um and that's why i said he may have been injured because i just thought i don't know i just didn't think he looked as fluid and as sharp as he has done previously well, you mentioned Hergovic. I spoke to Kala on Sunday. He said, look, they want to get that fight made um, for December time. Is that realistic with you? We're now hearing that uh, yeah. Saudi Arabian delegates are, are, are speaking to the Fury camp again and they want to stage the two fights on one night in February. But then Hergovic has been mandatory forever. I mean, you talk me through this sort of big... So, look, to, to get an exception, which is what Usyk would have to do, to not fight Hergovic, you cannot really have a fighter that has a fight coming up. Do you know what I mean? So, like, it's very difficult. That fight will be ordered this week, in my opinion, okay. Usyk against Hergovic. So what happens now is Usyk will have the opportunity to request an exception to fight someone else. The only person that that exception would be granted is probably Tyson Fury. But because Tyson Fury already has a fight scheduled, you can't ask for an exception. Really. So I think we should just get it done. Get the fight made for December. Um, we like Hergovic's chances in that fight. He needs to definitely improve from his last couple of performances. Um, but yeah, ready to make that fight. How does this sort of um, coincide with your plans for Joshua Wilder in Saudi Arabia? We know that that's probably now January, February. And then obviously there's these talks about Fury Usyk on the same night. Um, is that what you're hearing that they want to do? Yeah, I mean, we're hearing, listen, we're hearing all sorts, of course. We're hearing, obviously, 
hearing's great. We also need the contract and the paperwork. I uh, spoke to Shelley Finkel yesterday. Everyone's all in for that fight. Um, we won't wait forever because Josh does want to fight. And if we can't get that fight done soon, he may fight in December internationally. Um, but he wants to just go straight into the Deontay Wilder fight. Um, but it's looking like a trip to Middle East maybe next week to try and uh, nail this all down. Just out of curiosity, this has sort of been something that's been spoke about for a while. I think in New York, uh, Belanga Quigley fight week, I said, is there a weird scenario where we could see like the Dillian White fight and the Joshua fight announced at the same time? Are you surprised by how long it's taking? Uh, no, because I've been part of these fights before in the Middle East, and you're talking about a huge fight and a huge amount of money. But we're not concerned yet, but we also want to get a move on at the same time. And you know, I can't make it clear enough. We're in for that fight. But there's a lot happening in that part of the world for sport in general. And again, this is a huge event, huge fight, huge money. So we, we, we'll, we will have the patience. But at the same time, Josh is enjoying the activity. He did want to fight three times this year, but he will do that if he can't get the Wilder fight guaranteed. doesn't mean he, by the way, won't fight Wilder in February or March, but he may just choose not to wait from August to February or March. So, And the rumours are that Wilder may fight in October. So, Edward, I'm going to rattle some off this weekend. Um, Chris Eubank Jr. looks to get revenge over Liam Smith in the rematch. Um, what do you think of it? It seems to have sort of gone under the radar a little bit, but maybe sometimes the case with these fights. Fight week has started now, media workout today. So, sure, the hype will build momentum. But Yeah, I'm sure. Look, sometimes you're part of these fights and they just don't catch fire. And also, don't forget, it's August. A lot of people are away, you know, the first fight wasn't competitive, wasn't close. The rematch wasn't requested by anybody other than Sky. Um, but I'm sure, I know it's very quiet at the moment, but it's only Wednesday, but I'm sure they'll hype it up by Saturday. I think it's a very tough sell on pay-per-view. I really do with everything that's been around lately and been asked to pay for this and asked to pay for that. And um, Yeah, but I'm sure, you know, I expect Liam to win the fight. But I think he'll win it on points this time. I think Eubank will do better. But I don't see him winning the fight. Liam Smith, we believe, is a free agent after this fight. Would you like to explore working with him when you look at the middleweight division? It's nowhere near as strong as it has been in the past. Surely, you know, he, he spoke about having a good relationship with you and looking at his options elsewhere. Maybe could be someone to look at exploring and, and, and push him for those middleweight titles. Yeah, I think Liam, if, if you ask Liam honestly who he'd like to sign with, it would be us. But not if we don't have any opportunities for him. And, and, you know, he's at the stage in his career where he's going to take the best opportunities for him. So he should. He's a good fighter. He's a good bloke. Um, we'd, we'd definitely be interested to work with him again. Um, I'm sure those conversations will come. But let's see how he goes Saturday night. Uh, Chris Eubank Jr., that fight with Conor Bent, always there, regardless of a loss this Saturday? Mm, I mean, if he was to lose, it's how he loses. If it's a competitive fight and he loses on points, massive fight with Conor Bent. Um, if he gets knocked out again early, tough sell. But, you know, there'll always be history, there'll always be fight. But I'm looking for Chris to at least be competitive in this fight, and I'd love to make that fight after.
Connor Ben's put out a video uh, in training. Uh, I think he tagged Kelbrook. Any talks on that? Loads of talks. I mean, I think, you know, Sky are trying to talk Kel into fighting Liam Smith, probably. Um, I don't think that's the fight Kel wants. The fight Kel wants is Connor Ben. Um, but we haven't made him an offer for that yet. We will look to do it. I think it's a great fight for December. Obviously, we'll probably make a decision this week as to if Connor fights in September. But if not, maybe he goes straight into the, the Kel Brook fight. And I think that's realistic for December, but we'll have to see. Just from speaking to Connor, I know he is eager for that ring return. Um, Ivan Redcatch, I never get his name right. Um, he put something out today, uh, a post towards Connor. Connor said, Can you be ready in three weeks? That would be the mm-hmm. Orlando card, which is already actually a, a quite quite a big card. Um Connor, I know ideally probably on that, I think with the whole UCAD situation, if he does fight in September, probably the favourite to land on that. Are there talks for this fight in three weeks' time? Yeah, I mean, look, we've we've already spoken to the board about the possibility of him fighting, you know, even September the 30th, um, which those conversations are ongoing between the lawyers. He's um, allowed to, having been cleared of his suspension, to fight in America. So 23rd could be an option. Obviously, you'd be bolting him on a huge card, so it wouldn't be a massive fight, but he just wants to fight, you know, and he wants to prepare himself for that big fight in December, which we expect to happen in the UK. So there is a chance he fights on uh, in September, but we'll have to see. Jordan Thompson gets his chance September 30, mm-hmm. as you just referenced. Um, a great opportunity. I remember speaking to to Brian Peters when it was potentially in the works. He was so excited. Uh, what, a, what a great chance for Jordan. I've spoke to him. He's well up for it. Um, that card itself, how quickly did you have to put plans together? We know that they were talking about maybe doing the Breedis fight, but mm-hmm. we believe the winner here will have to fight Maris Breedis. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when Reactor pulled out of his World Championship fight... We wanted to make a fight quickly for Jaya because he'd been messed around um, on a couple of occasions. Firstly by Mastanak, then by Reactor. Um, looks like he's been widely avoided. But Jordan Thompson, Alba Cruiserweight. You now you've got Chev Clark, who's interestingly fighting for the IBF international title on that card against Vassil Duca, which is a good fight. Jordan Thompson, shot of a lifetime. You know, he's six foot five. You know, he's a. Good-looking boy. He punches like a mule. He's got all the attributes to go on and be a star, but he's fighting the number one cruiserweight in the world in Jai Alpatire, the IBF, the Ring Magazine champ. But, you know, I just, I love giving British fighters opportunities. And when Richard Riakor didn't want the opportunity to fight the best in the division, Jordan said, put me in. And it's a massive chance for him. He's a big underdog in the fight, but he can win that fight. And it's a really, really good fight between two good athletes. Obviously, Eddie Scottney defending her world title on the card, as I said, Chev Clark, the uh, pro debut of Jimmy Saints, which is going to be making plenty of noise. Shannon Ryan, Rhiannon Dixon in a great fight against Anders for the European title. Um, George Liddard, Maisie Rose Courtney. It's a big, big night in, uh, in London. And looking forward to it. Just lastly from me, Ben Shalom made some comments this afternoon. I sort of fit it in with the whole Opatire React course stuff. Uh, Eddie Hearn knows where those emails came from. We are looking for the best opportunities and certain members of the team we felt from Jai Opatire's comments that wasn't really, didn't feel right, weren't getting the right um, sort of 
aura out of it i don't really know i don't, I don't get it that's why i'm asking you about these comments i suppose promoters are constantly at each other uh, and it doesn't help because it causes even more show clashes but we are to get the best opportunities for richard react paul and make him the best money yeah i mean still doesn't answer the fact of why did you pull out the purse bid and then less than 24 hours later send a sneaky email behind my back saying, don't tell Eddie Hearn, but would you still like to make the fight? You were caught with, you know, red-handed. And it's all right. Listen, you live and you learn. Like I said, I'm, I'm not going to make any ne negative comments to Ben Shalom. Frank Smith's the man to do that. And this is all part of the journey. It's all part. It's nothing personal. Um but that's twice now you've pulled out of a purse bid on the day of the purse bid in a life-changing opportunity for your fighter because you were worried about boxer's position, not the position of the fighter, just your company's position with your broadcaster. It's not the way to represent a fighter. And, you know, my thoughts go out to Fraser Clark and to Richard Reactor because I know it's difficult for them because they've had to take the brunt of it. And it hasn't been easy for Fraser. And, you know, he's he's a solid guy, mentally strong, and he, he'll be back. But, you know, he could have fought Fabio Wardley for a huge amount of money and put himself in an opportunity to headline huge cards for a lot of money. Richard Gakpo could have fought Jai Apatara in London, beaten him, become Ring Magazine champion, IBF champion, have massive unifications for seven-figure purses on box office. So unless you can replicate those chances... Good luck, but I think it's just better just to like you know, just to say, look, I didn't want to, I didn't have the money to bid, and I couldn't afford for the sake of my own business to lose that fight to design. But it's not really in the best interest of the fire, is it? But as I said, I've got no bad words for Ben Shalom or Frank Warren. I'm just going to enjoy Frank Smith tearing him a new one in your interview with him later, Eduardo. We've got less than a minute left, it says, so I'm going to squeeze some Siren Sester content out of you. We had the Phoenix Festival this weekend. I didn't go, obviously. Um, not really my thing, but everyone in Siren Sester is waiting for Edward to arrive on, on the grand scene at some point. We had Wiley telling me he's going to come down last night. I think we could get a few faces down Bingham all, mate. What on earth are you talking about? The Siren Sester debut of Edward Hearn. Next week is my last week without a show, probably till Christmas. So if it's going to happen, it'll happen next week. But it's also very unlikely. I'm about to start another meeting. It's been a pleasure. And I'll catch you. Are you going to the media workout tomorrow? Mm, no, I'm not. We've got the lads up in Manchester, so they will see you there tomorrow. A bit below your pay grade, that one, is it? <laughs> Never. Edward, thank you very much. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.